Hey, what's up, everybody? How y'all doing today? Come on, what a great day to be together as the church body, no matter where you're joining us from. I want to say a big welcome to all of you. My name is Mike Burnett. My wife, Stephanie, and I are honored to serve pastoring the church here and our whole team. We're so thankful to serve you guys. And I just want to say, uh, first of all, if this is your first time with us or first time joining us online, a big welcome to you. We love having first time guests. And like Pastor Willie said, or your campus pastor said earlier, if you would scan that QR code or fill out a connection card, that would be your gift to us. And we want to get connected, follow up with you and say hello and welcome to LifePoint. And we're so thankful that you're here. Shout out as well to our online campus, our Austin P campus today and our East Valley Dream Center location in Chandler, Arizona. We are so thankful to be one church in a lot of places. Hey, wherever you're watching from, especially online, would you type in the chat and let us know where you're watching from so we can just uh, keep track of that, but also just to, to see where we are in the world. That's exciting. Well, what a week it's been. Yeah. Uh, the last two years, you know, it feels like every week or two, there's something new to focus on and pray about. But I'm just going to tell you, the church has to stay confident that we serve a mighty God who is bigger and badder than any president, any dictator, any invader. We, I mean, I don't know if you read the stories in the Bible, but man, the people of God, we lean in. We lean in in times of pain and in times of pressure. And uh, this, this particular season, I mean, we're, we're, we're watching online and on social media and on the news, we're watching a, an incredibly terrible invasion of a sovereign nation uh, by, by the leadership of Russia. If you're not familiar, maybe your TV's broke or whatever, but uh, last week, Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, ordered his army to invade Ukraine. And he has publicly stated that any nation who interferes will suffer unimaginable consequences. He's a bully. And we are thousands of miles away watching this unfold on the news and over social media. And many of us are feeling helpless. In a time like this, you watch that and you just, your jaw drops and you just think, what in the world can I do? I'm way over here and that's way over there. Some of us are feeling anxious, especially in an army town, a military community. We know that this is gonna have real, like, real ramifications, particularly in our community. And I'm so thankful for a, a bold city that's not afraid of bullies. Um, but that means that families, we're feeling the anxiety of what's gonna happen and what's possibly next. Many of us are angry and sad. What has happened there is terrible. What is happening there is terrible. But I wanna remind you as your pastor in moments like this to remember the scriptures. We're going to look today, and it's, I, th I think it's the sovereign hand of God that we are looking at the last passage in Acts chapter 11. Uh, it's, it's always amazing to me when we preach through the whole book how the scriptures that we preach line up with world events, um, and today is no different. Uh, actually, I had asked Hal Donaldson last week, well, um, two months ago, I said, hey, this is where we'll be in the Acts series. Would you like to preach this passage in Acts 11, or do you want to do your standalone message? And he goes, yeah, you preach that the next week. I'll do my own thing. Well, I'm glad because today's text actually fits with what happened uh, and how we respond from last week. So we need to remember the word in times like this. It's easy to listen to the words of pundits and the words of those who are commenting about everything and the words of our own opinions. But the best friend of Jesus, his name was Peter, gave us this word in 1 Peter 5, 7. He says, take all your anxieties and cast them on the Lord. Why? Because God cares for us. Here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to ignore your feelings. I don't want you to ignore the anxiety. I don't want you to ignore the stress of this whole deal. I just want you to remind Jesus about it too. 
I want you to cast those cares upon him. You know, the scripture says, we have not been given to a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. We've been talking about that for the last two years through a, a pandemic. But we have not been given to a spirit of fear. In fact, the church is the hope of the world. And we have a response. We have a way of engaging. I, I mean, I've got some stories I'll share with you today of how the church is engaging already. We, through our partnership with Convoy of Hope, are already partnering to make a difference in Ukraine, in Poland, and we're stationed with missionary partnerships right now to be ready to help. And uh, your, your generosity is making that happen. But I want us to pray one more time. And I want us to pray specifically that we would know how to cast our cares upon the Lord. I was thinking yesterday, and I listened to a friend of mine, Congressman Mark Green, shared a speech yesterday, and he closed the speech by reminding us of the story of David and Goliath. When the rest of the army was afraid of the enemy, David walked up and was like, who's that guy? Who's that punk? He's saber rattling and super loud and thinks he's somebody, but no, 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 he's come against the armies of the Lord. He's come against God and his word. And David said, I'm not gonna stand for that. And David, with this boldness as the young, ruddy teenage boy came against the giant, the, 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 the one that was coming against the people of God and the nation of God. So anyway, Congressman Green reminds us to take on that posture of David and be emboldened by the spirit of God to stand against the fear, the anxiety, the, 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 the depression or the worry that many of us may be dealing with or the anger or the bitterness or the sadness and stand against that with the strength that David had and the anointing that God gives us. Can I hear an amen from everybody? What, can I just ask everyone if you would just stand with me in this room and, and no matter what room you're in, we're gonna pray together one more time and, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about it in the message, but I, I want us to get back into the text, but I want us to really go to the Lord with that spirit and cast our cares upon the Lord. The apostle Paul writes in one of his letters to the Corinthians, he said, I wanna see people everywhere lifting up their hands in prayer. So can I ask around the room and around our locations, would you lift your hands with me? Lord God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are not moved from your throne. You're not scared of bullies and we're not either because the same spirit that you roam the earth with, God, the same spirit that's miraculously healing and delivering and setting people free, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the spirit of the living God that dwells on the inside of us. We will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Lord, today we choose to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and founder and perfecter and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured suffering on our behalf. Lord, we thank you that we can cast all of our anxieties on the Lord because you care for us. God, we thank you that as we are processing what's happening around the world, we're watching, we're waiting, we're seeing with, with open eyes, Lord God, what's going on, things that we have not seen in our entire lifetimes. God, I thank you that we know that you are a good God and a big God, and Lord, you can actually move mightily in the heart of even Vladimir Putin. I pray for his radical salvation, Lord Jesus. I pray that he would be held accountable. I pray that he'd be arrested, God, that somehow you'd remove him. And Lord, even if you have to stir him crazy like Nebuchadnezzar, I pray that he would be removed in Jesus' name and that God would get all the glory for it. Lord, we pray for our president. We pray for the leadership of the United States. Lord, cover him and cover them with the spirit of the living God. I pray that they would not be led by their feelings or their fear, but they'd be led by the spirit of the living God. Lord, we're not, we're not surprised by sin. 
But God, as the church, may we not be surprising in our lack of reaction as Christians. Let us lean in to prayer. Let us lean in to compassion. God, let us press forward as the people of God to be people of hope and a confidence that our God is bigger than anything that is happening in this world. God, however we're feeling, we put, we put it on you today. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can cast our cares on you. We're not gonna bury those feelings. We're not gonna hide out in fear. We're not gonna be um, led by those emotions. We're gonna be led by the spirit of the living God who still lives, who still reigns, and who still is ruling over everything to God be the glory. Lord, would you bring change, peace, In Jesus' name, to God be the glory. We love you, Lord, and we worship you. We choose joy. We pursue you with a glad heart, Lord God, and open hands. And we thank you, Lord God, that you are good. And we believe you for it today in Jesus' name. Can everybody shout amen? Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Church, thank you for that. I want to encourage you to stay leaned into the gospels. Man, you read stories of, of battles and wars and Man, I think part of it is we've just not been in a position quite like this, but our town, our church, we know conflict, we know war. And uh, I love Psalm 144, which says that God would train our hands for battle and our fingers for war. Man, if ever a verse I've prayed over this church, it's for the, the soldiers of LifePoint Church that are trained and that the Holy Spirit, you may have training and go to certain schools and do various things, but my prayer for you is that there's that extra training that God himself does for you to keep you sharp. And uh, Romans 13 says that God has entrusted to government the responsibility to bear the sword. That is the sword of justice and protection. And so if you're serving our military, you're serving in law enforcement, you're serving in that capacity, there's an anointing of God on you to do that thing. And so we pray that you would walk and serve and lead and shoot and fight and protect with God's anointing on your life. Can I hear an amen, everybody? All right. Well, thank you for being a giving church and thank you for your generosity. And I I started to say it earlier, but uh, I wanna let you know that we are strategically partnered with Convoy of Hope um, in a moment like this. I mean, I I got numerous texts or phone calls uh, right when all of this stuff started spinning up last week saying, what are we doing? Like, where are we engaged? How can we help? And uh, in an army town, you know, I've got pastor friends around the, the country. I almost want to say, don't worry, our guy's got your back. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> um, I just have such a confidence in LifePoint, you know, in, in the, the people that serve our nation so fiercely here. But I do want to let you know that uh, the church of Jesus Christ, the army of the Lord, is actually the eternal army. And we got a great commander, y'all. His name is Jesus. And we got a great weapon called the Holy Ghost. And we're going we're gonna, to uh, be partnered in areas of compassion and prayer and service. And with our strategic partnership with Convoy of Hope, of course, we, we give big offerings twice a year through them. But also we give monthly to, <laughs> as missions partners as part of your tithing. We tithe to church planners and missions teams, and we give to Convoy of Hope every month as well. They are actively responding to the crisis in Ukraine. They're working to provide resources, both for the churches, but also for those that are displaced inside of Ukraine, and for those who are now refugees fleeing to neighboring countries. Uh, Convoy of Hope Europe is already there working, and your tithes and offerings and our partnership with Convoy of Hope and other missionaries that we support are making an impact in Ukraine. I love seeing the church and, and messages from 
Christians in that part of the world going, we ain't going anywhere. Are you kidding me? This is our greatest moment. I mean, a freaked out world needs somebody to lean into. And I think the local church is the hope of the world. Come on, somebody. And so the church is engaged. The church is praying. You've probably seen it this week. Christians just gathered in the city square, just rallied up praying together. And I'm telling you, we need to be uh, that bold in our prayer and that bold in our confession that Christ is Lord. And we're going to be a part of this to God be the glory. If you want more information about what Convoy of Hope is doing, you can go to their website, convoyofhope.org slash Ukraine. Um, So thank you for your generosity, whether you tithe, give online, through the mail, or in the box at one of our locations. We thank you for it and just know that your giving at least is making an impact. Many of you, uh, you're waiting on orders to know what kind of physical impact you will be making. And we're just gonna keep our eyes on the Lord because we don't know what's gonna happen as a result of this. So a couple weeks ago, I asked if you would give God a year of your life to live your life God's way. And we're gonna see that again. We're gonna actually revisit that text today as we finish out Acts chapter 11. But let, let me give you some clarity of how we structure our church here and what I mean by asking you, would you give the Lord a year of your life? As, a, as the church, we believe that it's through the church that the kingdom of God should be made known to the world. It's through the church that the gospel is proclaimed. It's through the church that compassion and hope is brought to the world. And so you belong to the church. So the question is, do you belong to the vision of your church? Do you belong to this house? Are you only here because you like the preacher? Are you only here because you like the worship band? Or are you only here because you need an hour and a half free on a Sunday with no kids? That's not a reason to be here. Please don't come to this church because you like me. Come to this church because you believe in the vision of this church for your life. Don't come here because of me. I'll be gone one day. I don't know how. I don't know when or why, but you don't ever go to a church because of the pastor. You go to the church because God's put you there to be a part of what God is doing through that church. And so we believe in a system that makes sense for your life. And I'm telling you, every leader at this church already lives this out. So I'm not preaching this to our staff. I'm preaching this to you. We already participate in a Sunday service. Obviously, you're listening to it right now. You're a part of it now. It's the biggest thing we do here. But let me invite everyone to take your next step if you haven't already. The biggest thing we do may be Sundays, but the best thing that we do and the best thing for you is our small group, is our small groups. And and it it is designed for you to have fellowship, pastoral care, discipleship, and real relationships as part of your church. So I wanna invite every Christian, every person that's a part of LifePoint. If all you do is Sunday services, you're not a part of this church yet. But I want to invite you to take your step and go be a part of a small group. Then at every location, I would love for you to go through our next steps class. We have this design, not just to be busy. Like we don't do anything around here just to be busy. I don't know if you know that or not, but we designed a class to help you to know the, the theology of our church, to know what we believe. We get emails often of people that are moving here. Many of them are refugees from California <laughs> and the West coast. And we're so thankful that you're here. It's funny, I'll meet Californians in the lobby. I'm like, hang on one second, I'll go grab another one. I'm like, y'all need to be friends. Y'all are all refugees together. (laughs) They start small groups, it's great. They all eat chips and salsa every week, you know, it's... Anyway, we get questions often, all the time. Like, what, what do you believe about this? Are you this way? Do you think about, you know, how do you believe on this social issue or this thing? Go to our next steps class. Quit emailing the pastor and trying to get an interview with me. Look, I am not interviewing with anybody else at this church. I already got the job. I don't need a meeting with you to make sure you agree with me. Listen, we preach the Bible and everybody's welcome here to let Jesus wreck your life. That's what we believe about all that stuff. But we have a class designed 
to help you connect to this church. It's our theology, our history, our vision, our values. And that class is designed to help you discover your place in this church. If your only place in this church is a seat on a Sunday, you're not a part of this church. You're a consumer. Okay, I'm preaching harder now than, I'm not even angry, y'all. I got a happy face. I'm just telling you, this is what we believe. Sundays are great here. We want you to take your next step, go through our class, get in a small group. But as you belong to this church, you're going to discover that you're a gift to this church. You're a blessing when you show up. I'm, I'm always like blown away when people come into a church going, we're looking for a church that basically meets our needs. You know, like a preacher that preaches like I want and then that believes like I believe or that has the ministries that our family needs. How about you look for a church where you can be a gift to somebody else, where you can meet the needs that God would have for someone else. Like all of a sudden we have a ministry because you showed up and God says, hey, I have this gift to the church and it's you, right? So am I going too hard already? Y'all okay? <laughs> We just believe everybody on our dream team, everyone who serves as a volunteer, they believe that they're a gift to the body of Christ. And so I wanna ask you, how, how are you doing with these things? It's real simple. Attend faithfully, be in small group, figure out the class stuff, the next steps, like the membership, the, the, the values and the theology of the church that you belong to, and then get involved. Serve the body of Christ. In 1 Peter, it says that every one of you has a gift, use it to the blessing of others. Every one of you, not just some of you, not just 20% of you, not just the ones who are real saved. All of you are a gift to the body of Christ to make a difference. So, so here's what I've asked you to do. Would you give God one year of your life for that? Man, I'm gonna attend faithfully. I'm gonna tithe and give for a year. I'm gonna test God for a year in giving. I'm gonna go through our membership class. I'm gonna go through our next steps class. I'm gonna get on a team. Let me tell you something. This is not about growing numbers, it's about growing you. It's about growing the depth of your family. Listen, do you know one of the greatest things you can teach your kids is we serve God and we serve his church. So get up early and come serve. Get, like teach your kids why you tithe and give to your church. These things will be caught by your family and your children. My kids love to give generously, not because we beat it into them, because we modeled it. We showed them. God is growing his church here. And we're not just wanting to grow in numbers, but grow in depth because we believe God's growing this church. And, and, and as he brings more people, we believe in being a part of the local church and, and, and doing the things that God has called us to do. I like to say it like this, Christianity is Christian living. So how are you doing with that? How are you doing in these areas of your life? As we're wrapping up Acts 11, it actually fits right in. I've titled the message, The Church Being the Church. So I, I, just wanna, I just want you to pull, like evaluate yourself. How are you doing at being the church? Notice I didn't say, how are you doing with going to church? In fact, nowhere in the New Testament do you see this high priority on going to church. In the New Testament, you see a high priority of being the body of Christ, living like saints, walking out this faith all the time in our home, in our public life, our private life. How are you doing at being the church? And in Acts 11, we've got this passage at the very end of the chapter. It's almost like transitional into chapter 12. But these five verses have some of the greatest insights for us. It's packed with basic Christianity, some basic behaviors. Remember, the book of Acts is a narrative, right? It's a history book of how the early church did Christianity. And they were kind of writing the script for it, right? Because they're the first church of the world. 
But these are new te- this, this particular book is not an instruction letter or a, 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 an epistle like Paul would write later. It's an historical account of how they lived and how they believed. And they were good at being the church. We wouldn't even begin to ask if they were good at going to church. There was just no division for the New Testament Christians between going to church and being Christians. You understand what I'm saying? They didn't say that like, hey, are you a Christian? Yeah, I go to church. No, 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 no. (laughs) That wasn't the question they would ask. They were good at being the body of Christ, being the family of God as the first church. So as we study and read through Acts, we see devotions of the first church, right? Devotions to things like prayer, devotions to extreme generosity, devotions to serving others, devotions to gathering regularly. In fact, it says in Acts 2, they gathered every day with other Christians. They were devoted to compassion, devoted to eating meals together, devoted to encouraging one another, devotion to compassion in times of crisis, devotion to Jesus. And their devotions were stronger than the threats against their devotions. You understand like they would be threatened with prison and they'd say, I'd go to prison and be a prison minister. They would be threatened with death and they would gladly die for the cause of Christ. Their devotion to Christ was stronger than the threats against their devotions. Are you hearing what I'm saying, everybody? So this week, thank you, we are praying as Christians for the unbelievable actions that Russia has taken against Ukraine. I've literally prayed for the salvation and the transformation of Vladimir Putin, for his whole cabinet, for a total heart transformation. I've prayed every day that Putin be saved and for the people of Ukraine to be covered and protected. I've also watched Christians in Ukraine kneeling in public to pray for their nation. I've watched Ukrainian believers in Jesus who are committed to the Lord stand with Christ and pray for peace to come from God and for the transformation of those who are behind this war. These reports of pastors and missionaries saying they will not flee because they are there to serve people. Man, that's amazing. I mean, we read this in Acts and we see it in real time. So I'm asking the Lord, would he burden us to be this kind of church? As we finish Acts 11, we see the church being the church actually in a time of persecution and a time of pain. We saw in the last part of the, of the chapter that persecutions are arising because Gentiles are getting saved and the Christians lean in and preach harder. They don't back down under pressure. And the church, in, at the end of Acts 11, we're gonna see this, this prophetic word about a famine and the Christians don't hold back, they lean forward. And in the day that we're living in church, listen, how are you doing at being the church? Would you give God this year to be his church? fiercely being his church. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? I'm preaching way better than your amen, and it's okay. I'm amen myself. So I want us to go back in, first, in Acts 11, and let's pick back up in, in verse 26. And I want to encourage you Christians, embrace your label. Embrace who God has said you are. Don't carry your political label through all of this. Don't carry your social label. Don't carry your national title. Before you carry any other label, embrace the label of I follow Jesus, I am a Christian, I am a follower of Christ, I'm a man or woman of God, I'm a son of the most high God, I think different, I believe different, I behave different because I follow Christ and he leads me differently. Look back at verse 26, towards the middle of the passage, it says, for a whole year, they, this is Barnabas and Saul of Tarsus, they met with the church and they taught a great many people. This is where I asked you a couple weeks ago, would you give God a year of your life? Saul and Barnabas are spending a year 
with these brand new Christians in Antioch, teaching them how to live for God, how to pray, how to give, how to serve, how to attend, how to fellowship with one another, how to invite people into the church body. I've been saying it recently, Christian living is the Christian way, right? So all of these devotions, all of these ways of life are the devotion for us. So take a moment and evaluate yourself. How are you doing being a Christian? How are you doing? I'm not asking how do you believe in Jesus right now. I'm asking how are you fleshing out your belief in being a Christian? Are you kind? Are you generous? Are you compassionate? Are you prayerful? Do you actually, like, do you enjoy the life of the Christ follower? How are you doing with that? Are you inviting others to church? Are you serving? You evaluate you and answer that question. But I've been asking you, give God a year, right? And we see it from this text. Then... This is a verse that popped up uh, next, and I want to unpack it a little bit before we move forward. And in Antioch, the city of Antioch, this is where the disciples were first called Christians. First time in the Bible that that label, Christian, has been given to anybody. Now, I started by saying, embrace your label, Christians. Embrace it. We're, we, we live in a day right now where, like, to, to stand up and say, I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus is the only way to God. You can get canceled. Embrace it. If you go to work and you want to pray over somebody because they're sick or they're despondent or they're with fear and you say, hey, let me pray with you. No, you keep that religion junk. No, no, no. Embrace your label. Take the persecution if you need it. Take the little side-eye, cocky, you know, whatever little swagger from other. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Take it. Embrace the label. Don't be ashamed of your faith in the God of the universe. Do not be ashamed of that. Embrace it. Watch this. For the first time, these disciples, they were called believers, they were called saints, they were called followers of the way. And for the first time, they're given a new title. They're given a label. They're called Christians, Christianos. And honestly, it was probably not a complimentary title at first. It became something that they wore proudly, I guess, and, and it became a label for the faith long, you know, long later. But it, initially, it was probably a diminutive title. It was something maybe given as a put-down or a religious slur. That means it was a label that was put on those who followed Jesus that would differentiate them because of their beliefs in the resurrection, because of their practices of communal living and generosity, servitude and holiness. This would have been a title meant to label them for being odd, for being different, for believing in a God that we didn't believe in, for, for following practices and teachings of this Jesus, this wandering rabbi, that you guys follow that guy, you're Christianos, you're Christ people. And Christ was actually never the name of Jesus. I don't know if you knew this or not, it's not his last name. Christ was a title given to Jesus as Messiah. He, and, and the Jewish people understood the word Messiah. They understood this term Christ as the Greek term, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't his, uh, Jesus never walked around going, hey, I'm Jesus Christ, how you doing? Middle name's Harry, you know, that's, that's Jesus H. Christ. Anyway, it was a title given to him as Messiah, as anointed one, as savior, redeemer. And now it was a label given to the people that followed him. You guys are Christ people. And you know what's interesting? It was a term to brand these early followers, maybe meant to set them apart from the rest of the pagan culture, those who followed Greek mythology or cult practices. But here's what I love about it. They never rejected that label. You never see these early followers of Jesus going, don't call us that. No, 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 hey, don't, no, that's not our title. That's not our brand. They never reject it. They never go, they, in fact, I'm, I'm sure the first time they heard it, they're like, 
dude, that's pretty baller. I like that term. It makes a lot more sense because everybody's asking, who are you guys? You know, so that makes, you know, they never rejected their title Christian. They didn't fight back. They didn't insist on being accepted in a culture. They never said, hey, don't label me. I'm woke, I promise. They accepted the brand. They accepted the label as a proud moniker, something they are more than willing to embrace because the name of the Lord, their Christ was embedded into that label. What an honor to be found with Christ and to be named with Christ. And in the day that we're living in today, Christians, we must embrace the label of Jesus again. We still live in a culture that's contrary to the ways of Jesus. The culture of the world embraces cult practices, sexual immorality, idolatry, self-worship, drunkenness, orgeries, revelries, gossip, jealousy, and the like, the love of money and power. And to be labeled as a Christ follower is an amazingly odd label. Embrace it. Take it and carry it boldly. That makes you stand out from this world. You're odd and different. Take the label. If our world says you're not like us, be proud of that. Be, be so thankful that God would let you be chosen among the saints of glory. I wanna be okay with that again, church. Don't ever shy away from the label of Jesus Christ. Don't ever be embarrassed for standing up for your faith in Christ. Some of us are more, are more confident in our politics than our savior. Some of us embrace the label of our heritage, our southernness or our west coastness or our national heritage. Embrace the label of Jesus again. You and I, we are sons and daughters of the living God. And our faith must be placed in the finished work of Jesus on the cross and that is proven by his resurrection from the dead. We believe in and affirm that God lives in us by his Holy Spirit, that he leads us by his word and his presence, that he empowers us to live boldly and godly with holiness as a way of life. We believe in God's word. We believe faith in Jesus is the only way to God. We believe in repentance. We believe in walking away from sin, that belonging to the church is God's plan for us to live on earth. We are honored to be named among the people like St. Paul and St. Peter, Thomas Aquinas, St. Augustine, Mother Teresa, Dr. King, Billy Graham, and so many other followers of Jesus. Give me that label. I will take it all day long. This is our brand. This is who we are at work and at home, in our neighborhood, in our church. Come on, somebody. We We embrace Christ and we carry his name. Second, we pay attention and respond when there are needs. So all of a sudden, this group of people are now labeled Christians. And it says in verse 27, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem. Now, the prophets are preachers. If you think prophecy is always some kind of nostradamus kind of fortune-telling, read your Bible. It's more, it's more preaching than anything. But there's a gift There are gifts that prophets exercise. There are gifts that Christians exercise, including the gift of a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, which is, you know, when the Lord gives you an understanding of things to come, perhaps a word of knowledge would be that one, that vocal gift. We could talk more about it in another message. But in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem and Antioch, and one of them named Agabus, pause, kid's name, anybody pregnant? Come on, 20 bucks right here, name your kid Agabus. He stood up. Call him Aggie, call him Bus. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Gabus, I don't care what you call him. One of the prophets named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit. Notice the Holy Spirit's giving him this word of knowledge, right? Foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine all over the world. This is world disaster. This is calamities about to strike. 
This took place in the days of Claudius. This would be the, the, the Caesar of the day. Now, this prophet comes down and everything's going great. They got a new label. They got a new brand. You guys are Christians. And this prophet comes and the Lord gives him a word. He says, hey guys, church, listen, there's gonna be a major famine. And how many of you know in the first century, famine was, I mean, they didn't have Walmarts. You know what I'm saying? They didn't have Costco. They didn't have Amazon. A famine was like one of the greatest, war and famine. That was it, massive. So imagine the worst thing to happen in your world. Now the pastor is telling you it's about to happen. Hey church, listen to me. Jesus said, we will have worse days. But now he's saying like right, right away, there's gonna be famine in the land. Incidentally, uh, historians, because I, I read this and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's cool Bible, but did it happen? You know, a prophet is always tested after what they say came true. All prophets are fun to listen to, but they're only worth listening to if what they said happens. So I'd go and study this. I'm like, did, I, did a famine hit the world, you know, around the days of Claudius? Well, yes. Um, <clears throat> this was a grace gift of God, the, the word of knowledge to say this and to know this, because why in the world, what good news is that for a pastor to come visit your church and be like, hey guys, God's doing amazing things. Prep for famine, I'm out. You know, like that's not a good <laughs> revival message. You know what I'm saying? But the Lord gave him that word and multiple sources give credence to this prophecy actually coming true. A major famine happened throughout this part of the world and in other places of the known world. Ancient historians, including Suetonius, Tacitus, and the first century Jewish historian Josephus, all wrote about a major famine condition and multiple year crop failures during the reign of, Cla of Claudius. Even modern historian F.F. F. Bruce says, we know from sources that Claudius's principate was marked by a succession of bad harvests, and consequently scarcity in various parts of his empire, Rome, Greece, Egypt, Judea. So the Lord gave this guy a word and on the front end you go doom and gloom, that's so scary. But on the back end, we know that it's true. Well, how did they respond? And this is why Christians need to know the needs of the world, pay attention and respond. Watch what they did. So the disciples determined to freak out, stockpile, store up a bunch of toilet paper, hunker down in their basements. <laughs> that's what the Christians did. No, 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 watch this. So the disciples determined everyone according to their own ability, what your ability is, what your ability, what you can do, what can you do, what, what gifts do you have, according to each ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. You know what they didn't do? Self-preservation. That is a worldly response. A Christian response is what can I do to help? A Christian response is there's a need coming. Hey, according to my ability, I can't do more. I can't, I'm not gonna steal from my neighbor. I'm not gonna, I can't outgive my bank accounts, but according to what I have and who I am and what I can do, I'm gonna send relief. They determined, look at this, man. As soon as the word came that famine's coming, they go, well, we're gonna help. Hey, Kurt, hey church, how are we doing at being the church? Are you kidding me? When a famine is prophesied, they didn't store up their own supply. They gave to help others. It's an odd response, but it's an odd people. It's the church being the church. God uses this prophetic gift to get the church ready so that we can be the church in a time of catastrophe. Listen, the purpose of that prophecy was not to help build an escape plan for the Christians 
or to build up their bunker supply or to start selling storages, storage units. God gave a prophetic word in order to prepare the church to be ready in time of need. Man, that's what makes the Christian experience different. We don't hide, we show up. We don't leave, we stay put. We don't get quiet, we pray and we prophesy to this dying world. We don't hoard in times of struggle, we give. Some of us are seeing and hearing what's happening in the world and we get scared, nervous, we wanna hide away, we hope it doesn't come near us, we're, we're threatened by World War III and what's gonna happen? We don't live under doom and gloom, we live in another kingdom where God is the reigning, reigning power of the whole thing and we carry the name of Jesus, we don't bury our heads in the sand, we can't let others do all the helping for us and we certainly shouldn't depend on the government to take care of all of this. The church of the living God leans in. We show up, we pray, we serve, we engage, by helping the hurting, caring for the widow and the orphan. We send help, we run to the pain and we carry with us hope. I'm telling you, use your life right now to lead people to Jesus. Send relief by giving financially. If you can't fly over there, none of you can, I get it. You can give to those that are there. Share your faith, get online, quit reposting drama and post the gospel that brings hope and peace. Can I hear an amen, somebody? They determined to send relief. Man, I'm just, I'm really struck as just a Christian. Like, am I determined? I'm gonna do what I can. I'm gonna engage. I'm gonna be a part of this. Finally, I just believe the local church mobilizes the hope of the world. I mean, you go back and read stories from wars that our country has been involved in and how churches open their doors to offer help and refuge. I, I have a friend who pastors in Franklin and he's, he's got a building in downtown Franklin where his church is. And he took me, it's an old, it's a like 200 something year old, 250 year old building. And they bought it and they're converting it into a, a modern church, but they're keeping some of the old historic features. And on the, the in the um, attic storage of the house, that the, the original house, there are still blood stains from where they converted that into a civil war hospital. And I'm just telling you, there's something about the church going, hey, you can use us, you can step on us, I, it's fine. Like, we're gonna determine to lean in. We're not gonna hide, we're not gonna fear. Are y'all here, am I just working myself up here? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the way we do, church. So, look at this. So they determined to send relief, and so they did so. And look what they did, they sent the relief to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. I just wanna pause and say, trust your pastor. I, this feels like a personal plea for you to trust. Listen, God puts church leadership in place for a reason. The relief is sent as you give through this house, it will go to relieve other people. Many times, and, and this is such a sad reality, we hold back giving and hold back doing because we don't trust the hands that deliver it. Why don't you trust God and pray for the hands that deliver it? Pray for your pastor, pray for LifePoint, pray for Convoy of Hope, pray that we be a, a worthy house to send relief and like trust the leadership that God's given you. And if I'm not trustworthy as your pastor, pray for me. You know what I'm saying? Like take me out to lunch, and smack me around if you need to. I promise you I'm trustworthy. This is a great house for you to sow into. But if you wanna be a place that's given relief, you can do it through your church. And this is the way Christians know to do it. We're gonna be a part of this. Man, some of us go, I don't know if I can trust that church to give my money to. How about you just obey God? And then pray and say, Lord, if they're untrustworthy, get them out. 
I pray that over our staff. It's kind of crazy. And I tell them they don't like it, but it's true. I love how this chapter ends. So much has happened. The Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles. People can save. The gospel is opening up to the Gentile world and persecutions on the rise. The gospel keeps progressing. In Acts 11, it was a painful time to be a follower of Jesus. But really, it's a great time to be a follower of Jesus. Being in pain is a great time to show off who the Lord is in your life. In Acts 11, it was a painful time. And these New Testament Christians had it in their hearts. We're going to be available to help. They heard about a soon coming famine, they jumped to action. We heard that last week in the message from Hal Donaldson in John chapter nine, Jesus didn't just have pity on a guy, he moved to action. Listen, give me two minutes before you leave, I'll close us out. At every location, listen. The immediate response to the tragedy of famine was to do something. And what they did was gave. How they gave was through their church. They trusted their leaders to bring that giving. I wanna encourage your life point. Be generous in money. Be generous in prayer. Be generous in serving. Be generous in bringing hope to a very painful world. Don't wait for others to do it. Determine in your heart. Don't wait on your feelings to lead you with compassion or generosity. Determine in your heart your choice. I'm gonna be quick to serve. I'm gonna be quick to give, quick to pay, pray, and quick to go help when there's a need. I was talking to a friend this morning. He He's got three adopted kids, just brought in three foster kids. And he's older than me. My youngest kid is seven, and I'm like, I can't wait till they go to college. You know, like, get out of my house. And this guy's going, no, 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 my house is what I can do. It's, I, I'm determined to help other people. And I'm just always reminded, hey, look at me, church. There are hundreds and hundreds of foster kids right now that could use you. There are families in need right now in this city that could use you. You think about you can't do anything in Ukraine, you can do something in Clarksville. You can do something in Arizona. You can do something at Austin P. You can do something where you are. Do the next kind thing. Determine that we're gonna do Christianity and we're gonna be the church being churchy. When the church shares opportunity to serve others or give, be eager to jump in. When war is in front of us as a nation and you know that Christians are suffering, it's easy to think, well, I can't do anything, but be quick to pray. Be quick to pray, be quick to give, be, be, be quick to serve. God knows every word you pray and God is asking you to invite him into the room as you do. A.W. Tozer said, a scared world needs a fearless church. Before anybody walks out, let me read this to you. In recent reports, the churches in the Ukraine are rising up to be the church. Pastors in the gray area are not leaving Igor Bandura, senior vice president of the Baptist Union of Ukraine, describes the front line saying, Christians are determined to take an active part in the needs of people around them. The tension is real. You can feel it in the frozen air, he said. Should there be chaos and confusion, the church should be the lighthouse in their community. Many of these believers are mobilizing. Bandura explained that plans are underway to turn church basements into refugee camps and they are stocking up supplies. Members with medical backgrounds are readying for service. The pastor of a church 200 miles west of Kiev said, we are very much hoping that our house of prayer will not be needed to shelter, but we are preparing that people will come here if necessary to find safety. If something happens, we will open our homes and open our churches, said Yaroslav Piza, president of the Baptist Seminary in Lviv, only 40 miles east of Poland. In the face of the growing aggression of war, we remain the ambassadors of Christ. 
Peace comes through reconciliation with God. Jesus, in one of the prophecies of Messiah, is that when God gets a hold of people's hearts, they'll lay down their swords and turn them into plowshares. My prayer for Putin is for his total deliverance and salvation and that he'd be held accountable and that he would be the ultimate thing that happened with him, maybe justice on this earth, but that he would find justice in heaven and be saved and set free from this demonic mindset. I'm convinced if the church is not relevant in a time of crisis, then it won't be relevant in a time of peace. Church, I wanna ask you to lean in to be in the church. Attend your church, be in a group, give generously, go through our next steps, like serve on teams, but know that our world needs a mobilized, fierce, relevant, emboldened, spirit-filled, word of God talking church alive. So I wanna call you to that place. I wanna call you and say, man, if that's you and you say, I wanna be a part of that kind of church, I wanna have a spirit like David slapping Goliath in the forehead with a stone coming again. You know, our ultimate enemy is the devil. He's still real and he would love for you to be afraid and locked down. But man, like David, I'm gonna look the devil in the face and go, you're a punk, you're a liar, a defeated foe. You come against God and the armies of, of God's people. What you gonna do to me? Church, we have ways to respond. Some of you will go physically. All of us can go spiritually. All of us can give generously. And all of us can be ready to do the next kind thing even here. Don't wait for this stuff to come to America. Like there's need in our city right now. Let's be emboldened. Let's be empowered. Let the church be the church. Can I hear an amen, everybody? Lord, in Jesus' name, would you move us to be the church of Jesus Christ? Thank you, Lord God that you would walk with us today, that God, you would embolden us and empower us by your spirit to be the body of Christ, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to speak the word with confidence, to embrace the label of Christian. God, to, to not be given to fear, our emotions, anxiety, but Lord, that we would be given by the spirit of God to this world to make a difference. Lord, let us start where we are. Let us start with the next kind thing. God, whether it's serving our neighbor, serving the widow and the orphan, the poor, the foster child, Lord God, would you in Jesus' name embolden us to be the church. And we embrace, come on, everybody open your hands and say it with me, God, say, we embrace the name of Jesus, the title of Christian on our lives. Help me, Lord, to reflect you well, to serve others well, in Jesus' name. Now, would you pray this and confess it today if you're ready to give everything you are to God? Come on, say, Lord, I'm all in. Say, I believe in Jesus, that he died for me so I can live my life completely for him. I go all in with Jesus Christ. He is my Lord, my Savior, my boss. I believe in you, and I receive your forgiveness and your salvation. I'm all in to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Amen, everybody. Amen.